Hi, Anthony. Hey, eight eleven. How you doing? Hello. How you doing? This is what time it is too. Backwards, eight eleven. <laughs> wow. It is. That is wild. Oh my goodness. Like, what is the synchronicities here today? Well, welcome to podcast. Why me now? Um, I'm host Michelle, and I'm back for another episode um, to talk to my here cousin, who I've known, obviously, since he was born, before he was born. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you. Happy to be here. Yeah, um, I honestly just wanted to, like everybody else before you that I've gotten their stories, just wanted to, you know, pick your brain on some topics that I've been you know, pondering about and have been, you know, a lot of conversations about and just thinking a lot about. Um, and I know, like... Uh, we both are from St. Louis, Missouri, so a lot of the themes that I've been talking to have been about around St. Louis, about the environment there, and a lot of people that have lived there, still live there, and how they see themselves, um, and what they're like hoping to do in the future because of what their new self-awareness is. So I kind of just want to get your take on like, what, you, what you define a product of an environment is like, and how okay. you your story? Well, I would say, okay, so from my perspective, growing up in St. Louis, being a product of your environment, I would say that is, okay, so it's true. I'm not saying it's not, but at the same time, it's also mental to be a product of your environment. Because when I was growing up, I always knew I was different from everybody, but I did try to do things to fit in, which brings in the true part of being a product of your environment. So, you know, like I wanted to hang out with everybody, have fun, where I was used to being, because we didn't have much money to go places. We didn't really go nowhere outside of the neighborhood. So, Describe, to me, describe to me what your neighborhood was like. Well, I grew up in, anybody who listens to this podcast from St. Louis, I grew up in Walnut Park, so it's very poor mindset. The people over there are very, um, and, and one thing I noticed about people with poor mindsets is they have poor attitudes as well, so they get into a lot of arguments, a lot of fights. The tension is really high. You know, people don't feel like they can get out. They feel stuck, and they just compete with each other and it's not that peaceful while I grew up at. It wasn't that peaceful, but you you could have peace if you knew how to maneuver, if you knew what to do, like being away from certain things, you know, like you know if you know your neighborhood is very um street life ish, you know, don't be in don't involve yourself in that, which is what I did. But I still had to live that experience because I was in that environment. So, you know, it was a lot of death, a lot of, um, you know, betrayal. But not just that. We had good times, too. But I'm just trying to focus on the, the main topic, being a product of your environment and how that can influence. So, no, and everything that you're saying is... I'll be in there in a minute. Okay, yeah. 
No, but you hit on a lot of the topics that I wanted to hit and address too. But and honestly, like you can you can add the fact that there's always positives that happen in your environment that have established you to be who you are. And and I think that both coins are important to note. I don't think either one is uh, not important to note here on this podcast. Anything um, that contributed to your upbringing and who you are is important. And that's why, you know, I wanted to talk about, you know, you said something else about how, you know, in your community, it's a lot of times it's the mindset and it's also that poor attitudes. And a lot of times these people are against each other. And that hits on a topic that we will be discussing on this segment today in this episode, because, you know, you address a bigger issue here. Like, it's not just about that, that you're a small, your neighborhood that has this issue. I've talked to many people in St. Louis that have the same, you know, issue, which is a mentality issue, which is a brainwash issue, which dates back to a letter, the Willie Lynch letter syndrome, which is in everyone's a community of that is associated with black communities, you know, so you, you hit on a, lot, a little bit of all of that. So that's kind of what I was wanting to get out of this whole, you know, uh, introduction to your, your, your story, because I lived in St. Louis, I lived in the, the St. Louis County area. So it wasn't the same way. Like we had a lot of people who were driven to do more and be more. And, you know, that's what made me here, you know, move to Chicago because I wanted to have a different life because I saw both worlds. I saw my family like yourself grow up in a neighborhood that was more um, impoverished. You know, there was a lot of more time, a lot of times we were uh, struggling in the schools, a lot, of, a lot of times more times, you know, uh, harder to get employment, a lot more crime, a lot more violence, like you had mentioned. Um, so it is true for Black Americans that, you know, growing up in these neighborhoods, it can be a perpetual thing that is embedded over and over again into generation after generation. You know, and the reason why we and me and Anthony here today are speaking on this is because we are trying to bring that awareness to everyone, um, because it is important for us to have these conversations because we don't talk about it enough. So I thank you so much for joining me to have this discussion today. Um, so my next question for you is, you know, um, knowing that this is going on around you, knowing that, you know, there are contributing factors to making who you are today, you know, what have been like the main uh, events in your life that have shaped who you are, good or bad, or both? Okay, so, yeah, that's why I, I was leading up to it was, I, I wanted to say, like, it's in your psyche, you know what I'm saying? When you see certain things as a child, you it's repetition. It's, it's it becomes embedded into your subconscious mind. So you have to know how. When you grow up, of course, as a child, you you subject to a lot of things. But when you when you grow up and you become more mature, you seek out ways to reprogram yourself so you can change your habits and the the things that you uh believe to be true, which influence your behavior. But what I wanted to say was, I, I like I was saying earlier, I was I always was different. It was something about me that just made me question everything. Like, why is things like this? Why is this like this? Why that's not like this? And the people around me, most of the people around me were, they would just do, they would just do whatever, what was happening, whatever the protocol was, whatever the, that society was doing, that's what they would do. And to them, it seemed like it was okay. 
Like it seemed like everything was fine, but I just was like, no, there's something not right, you know. So it was something about me that just kept me positive. I don't, I, I don't know what it is, but I was always a positive person, even in my environment. So, but for people who work, who 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 don't consider themselves like that, I would say that, like I was saying, seek out ways to find out how to be more positive because that's what that's what's making you have that experience is that you're not thinking positive and your moves, the moves that you're in is generating experience in your life. Most people that grew up in these environments, they don't they don't feel very good about themselves. They don't feel very good about what they've been through. And instead of trying to reverse it, it's like they keep thinking about it and they keep it's like they're not moving on from that. You gotta let that stuff go, and you gotta continue to grow, so you so you can feel better about life. Because most people don't feel good about life. They just feel like they just getting by day to day. They got the survival attitude. They don't. A lot of people just feel like they can't do anything. They feel stuck and lost. So. No, everything you're saying is exactly my. Uh, it, I agree with you 100%. It's super relatable. Um, I relate to you, you know, uh, feeling like an outsider looking into a, a situation that didn't make sense. And I'm like, wait, can someone help me make sense of this all? And it's just like, I feel like I was locked out of a secret of, you know, why is everyone so much more ignorant or just unknowingly knowing what I don't, what I know, but I don't understand because we live in the same world in the same environment. So feeling like you're stuck in a world where you know stuff that other people don't, it makes you feel isolated. It makes you feel like there's something wrong with you. Like there's something like you're missing. But at the end of the day, it's like, no, there are people that have succumbed to this brainwashing, this, you know, being stuck in their mindset, uh, constantly thinking about things that literally don't matter and uh, focusing on like, and when I say stuff that don't matter, like how am I going to, you know, get the money to buy these Jordans on the day that they come out? Like, don't play with me. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like those types of things, those specific <laughs> examples are what I'm looking for from you because I, you know, the, those are things that I've actually seen with my own eyes because when I worked at Nordstrom here in Chicago, when I moved here in 2012, I, was working a uh, morning shift. I was opening the restaurant. I had to be there like five and like they were having a release of a new pair of uh, Jordans and it was all black people outside the store just lined up before it opened. And I'm like, ain't nobody got a job to go to the bar, but you got enough money to be standing in this line for hours to get a fucking pair of Jordans. That takes a lot of dedication. That right? is exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. It took a lot of strength and mental fortitude to be able to do that to find the money to get there and the transportation because i'm sure not all of them had like a car to park because it is really difficult to find parking that is free that's i mean almost unbelievably not a thing here in chicago but the fact that the line was wrapped around the building i thought i will never forget this like i wish i was a photographer to like take and capture that moment of like this is some crazy ass shit like you are able to afford to go get a million pairs of um, Jordans, but you can't seem to figure out how to keep a job or to keep a relationship or to stay out of a fight or to make money without having to sell drugs. Like you can't figure out anything. You can figure out how to get them Jordans. Like, come on. 
I just have seen it with my own eyes. The only reason why I say this and bring it up because it's encouraging people to think that, you know, having the latest brands and following the latest trends, like you had had said, like that mindset of falling into place into uh, a trend that is short-lived most of the time. Um, And like we continuously fall into these traps and, you know, is in us not being able to save money, not having bank accounts, not able to. I mean, this is a domino effect. Yeah, just because, because not, we have if you have mismanaged your own money. You don't understand the value of a dollar. It goes deeper than that. Like I, what you said, I, the specifics of it. I want to give these people examples so it hits them to the core. And that is an example that I've witnessed for myself. Yeah, because we have the power to do it. That's like you said, with the line, the Jordan line. It's, that's a that's a lot of power and dedication. It's just the focus is in the wrong area. If you just change the focus to something more productive and something that could benefit you and your uh, family and your surroundings and your neighborhood, we we actually got a lot of power to make a big change. We just our focus is in the wrong area. And you hit on a huge point. They did it back in the, in the early uh, 1960s. They called it boycotting, right? It's the same uh-huh. example I can use with this Jordan. Just like the power that we give them to be able to profit from our, you know, you know, being completely mentally embedded into a systemic racist uh, cycle that has been perpetuated since, you know, you know, centuries and centuries, but specifically over the last 300 years, specifically, you know, been um, written in our DNA that we should be investing in things that give that materialistically give us value outwardly, externally, but not ourselves internally to understand that the value that we really, you know, possess is within and not without. And I feel like a lot of times we have lost that entire at like the entire point. And so when we realize that the value is within the self and the fact that we have more power in, you know, controlling the economy, you know, our numbers in, in, in population is huge. And if we have the ability and determination to go and get these Jordans, we should have the determination and power to take back our freedom from, you know, feeling like we're inferior, feeling like we cannot have wealth and grow it. Like we are, you know, investing a lot of times in these other people's profits and their yachts and their houses. And we're like, oh, let's be their fans on top of it too. I'm like, I'm not, maybe all of this makes sense, please. Yeah, it's, it's the mindset you gotta, they don't. They don't like. They don't feel abundant. So they, it's external. They made it external because they don't feel abundant. Abundant on the inside. So they feel like if I put this stuff on, I can at least appear to be abundant, or I can feel abundant for a moment while I'm purchasing it and wearing it. And and and, and just like social media posts. You're looking for the clout. You're looking for the validation when you do that. And when you get external validation and you start to give people the power to uh, set the value on your self-worth, it's now their yeah. self-worth over you. Your, your puppeteers, your pimp, your whatever you want to call it, it's power over you because you're giving it away when you do these yeah. things. You gave your power away by, by looking for outside validation. So... That's that's what black people need the most is they need mental healing. 
because, they, like you saying, the Willie Lynch program, and then just being that in this environment for so long. Is not a program. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I mean, it was a program. Yeah. It was a program when I guess Willie Lynch decided what? to like educate all these different yeah. plantation owners like on how to keep us separated. But you know, we could go into that too because I know you had said something about how you know people in your neighborhood go are separate, like they always are against each other. And I want to like dive in deep to like why because there's four specific points as to how Willie Lynch kept us separated in our own communities. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's no um, unity, and you know yeah. they do it through, they did it through um, color. You know they separated us by color. They separated us by uh, name. They um, fur, you know they put fur in a lot of people, and like you were saying, that's that stuff comes from a long line of generations. So it's in your DNA is is in your um, psyche because your bloodline experienced that, and you come from that bloodline, so you experience the same thing they experience, even though you didn't have that experience. So you you experience the emotions and the thoughts. That's why sometimes when you're just chilling and you get these emotions and thoughts, like that's that's from your insides. That's things that you need to heal. So you you. For example, in slavery, they used to take like the man and beat him in front of everybody. So, as a black man, you feel like some black men don't feel strong, and some of them feel like they're too aggressive because they're trying to they're trying to overcompensate for feeling inferior. So they want to make themselves appear to be super strong, but you, you have to have balance. You got to have the masculine and the feminine so the point i'm trying to make is it's all it's more than just uh the product in your environment it's it's even before you was born like you come into this world with these things but the but it's not like we're not stuck we don't have to stay here we are progressing just the simple fact that we're talking right now if we making progress so it's a lot of people discussing these things in the world now, which needs to be discussed. And then we'll move on to the practicing part next, which is learning how to heal and incorporating that into your daily life, which we'll get there, because that's how I started my healing journey. I was just listening and stuff. I wasn't doing anything. And then after a while, I said, I got to do something. I can't just keep listening to people talk about how to heal when I'm not healing. So now I need to do it. I need to be practical about it. I done went and got the spiritual side. Now I need to do the practical side, which is sit down, meditate, ask myself why I'm feeling like this, why I'm having these thoughts, why do I allow myself to keep doing these habits and these behaviors and put myself in the, around these people, situations, and places that I know I don't want to be. And over time, you'll start getting those answers and you'll start making progress in your life. So that's it starts from self so my philosophy is if you want to heal somebody you got to heal yourself first so if we want to help the black people we got to help yourself first now i i I came here to help the whole damn world but black people really do need a lot of healing like if this was a if if the racists were like a house the black people room would probably be the house that needs the most renovation 
but I would clean the whole house. I couldn't agree with you more. Like you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like because we've been through the most, you know, uh, bludgeoning of treatment when it comes to, you know, just over history when it comes to just mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and on every level of brutality that you can think of in our history and in our DNA, it is kept just like you just said, like I was just watching um, something I had to watch in subtext because it was in Germany and they were doing some genetic testing on, um, they found that just like what you just said, and you probably have never seen this video. I just watched this last week that the ancestral wounds of your past lineage is carried down into your DNA. And yes, you do still feel what they felt when they did whatever happened to them when it happened. So it does go back that deep. And I actually have some information else about our DNA that is shocking too, that other geneticists had done some studies because of all this ancestry.com and all this 23andMe, et cetera, they've been able to collect a lot of our DNA. And so over time, like, I don't even know how far this dates back, but like ever since those like top type of, you know, uh, DNA collecting uh, companies have come out and people have been willing to just give it up like myself. <laughs> um, they've found out that there are ways to, to, definitely confirm evolution and determine what species of evolution would be instinctually more intelligent than all other species on the planet. <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite discoveries in the whole wide world. I was just going through YouTube like I do and I came across this guy, I, um, and I'll reference like the link to his, his YouTube site. It's like three hour, three and a half hour long episode. And he talked about the DNA series. And he talked about how this document, all these geneticists around the world, you know, from Germany, from the United States, from, you know, China, from all these different countries, except for Africa, were a part of the study that was copyrighted and never published. I want to repeat that. This information was never published. It was copyrighted. These geneticists found out this information that they stumbled upon about specifically African and black DNA and how our DNA is technically by scientific design superior and more intelligent because we have a lot more variety in our DNA series. And I'll go into a lot more detail as to why that is and why that's important. And, and even more details as to why, you know, having the nine DNA series is important because that's how many we have. Every other race before us like has six, you know, there's a three DNA series gap between, you know, black Americans, black and African-Americans versus anybody who's fair skinned and, uh, and beloved. But I'll get into that and in more later. But it's just really interesting information that I have to share. And I'm really excited to have Anthony on today because we're going to explore a lot of this today. And it's just really interesting that you said that because I 100% I, I agree with you and believe it and have scientific fact to back it up. Yeah. And so that's, that's yeah. So when you talk about, like, when, when black people talk about, um, generational wealth. So you have to be mindful, like, not only to just make money, because we didn't just come here to 
to just accumulate um, material wealth. Your wealth is also your emotions and your thoughts. So you want to be mindful that you passing that stuff onto your children. Like when you have children, your your consciousness of awareness and your emotional state is passed on to them. And that comes from both parents. Now, I'm not saying that to say, um, you know, to to uh to make anybody afraid or anything. I'm just saying be mindful that that's your generational wealth as well, is your lineage, your your thoughts, your emotions, and your material riches. Because you do deserve material riches. I feel like black people think they don't even, they, they feel like they don't even deserve it because, partly because of um, religion play a big factor in it too, but they just feel like they just don't deserve wealth. They feel like wealth is attached to the devil or you must be doing something wrong to have that much money or some things like that. But well, that's because opinion, they're trying to me- mentally justify the fact that they don't have it, that, you know, that there's some type of something wrong with other people instead of themselves for having lack. I, I just yeah, I just feel like it's a, yeah. a mind manipulation to like try to make yourself not feel inferior. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because that's what it is. You you feel inferior but you don't want to admit it. So you start saying other things like, Oh, I wonder what they did to get that house or on how he got that much money. I wonder what she did to get this and that. Like, well, it's like, yo. They couldn't be, so, oh, they must have worked really hard to get that. Like, get no, that. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's over here. Ooh, did, did you work really hard for that? No. <laughs> and you, and you judging people while you're doing that and you gossiping, which is things that you shouldn't do, not because religion says so, but you just shouldn't and, do that anyway. And we shouldn't say, we shouldn't say what people should and should not do. We should say, well, we, you know, right. it probably is not in the best look or like it's, yeah, it's you know, I would say it's wise. Like it's not wise. Yeah. yeah I, I, it's not wise to judge and gossip people because you don't know. And you just focus on yourself. Ask, why, ask yourself why you don't have the things that you want because we all want things. Material and not material, so and you should be able to have it. But it's different it's for all of us. About it the right way, right? It's not in understanding the meaning behind it. You know, what type of meaning does it really bring to your life to have whatever it is that you want? That you want, yeah. It's gonna really like, make why? you happy because that's what you're why doing. Do you with tools because whatever your because money is a tool to be able to get the things that you really want to to uh, you know happen your life to you know those things that you put on your bucket list like oh I want to go to you know Africa and go ride on a camel in Egypt like those are things that you want to accomplish but the only way to accomplish that by means of a tool which is money and I think people get lost in the fact that they want money, 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 greed, 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 greed. But they really don't understand the reason behind it. Why they want that money. (laughs) They have no goals, they have no ambitions, they have no desires because they've been brainwashed to believe that they're already inferior. Like you're saying to your point, that they don't deserve wealth so they don't work for it. So they have a reason too because they've already said in their minds, like you said, a mind um, control um, that they don't deserve it, and so they 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 completely get in their own way not to get it. 
Yeah. Get in their own way. So. They get in their own way because of how they thinking about it. And like you said, they don't know why they want the money. And some people think they want money because they think it's going to make them happy or they think it's going to make their life better. But it's not. Like, you still going to have the same problems that you had before you had the money if you haven't dealt with those problems. Those, right. Some problems you can't buy away. You have to deal with them. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to pay for my childhood trauma. But some people don't even know that they're even dealing with childhood trauma. With some people don't even trauma, know. Yeah. Some people don't even exactly. know that the way that they're acting or behaving right now in this present day is connected to something that was rooted in something that hurt them or made them happy in the past. You know, it, it yeah. always helps to define who you are. But some of the things that are self-sabotaging you today needs to be looked at again. And that's why this podcast is coming to an existence, because a lot of times I'm seeing in our current generation there's still some people that are um, unaware of themselves and like what it's doing is just destructive. It's like self-destructing their own family, which is, you know, destroying their children, which is destroying their entire community. And like the next generation to come, it's just like somebody has to stop this before it continues. Like stop the bleeding because before we die out, like completely from stupidity. (laughs) Not from just anything, from absolute ignorance because the fact that they don't know right now that the way that they're behaving, you know, we should be, you know, focused on recycling and things like that, but we're focused on killing each other and, you know, snatching somebody's weave out or, you know, hating her because, you know, she's light skinned or, you know, hating him because he's a little thug or, you know, all these different things that we focus on instead of like, the bigger picture, like our world is crumbling around us. We probably should save it. Um, You know, it's just like there's bigger things to worry about, but we're so finely in tuned on such of the the things that don't matter so heavily that that's why you become a product of your environment because you can't see anything outside of that. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're used to. That's your comfort zone. That's what you know. And you're not even trying to, you don't, some people not even aware of expansion, and some people not even trying to expand. So, but and they, some good. people just don't have role models to even know that there is a way to expand. Right, and that's the good thing about now. Like it's now is the time to. It's it's the time now. That's why. I, and it, and it's the time to use social media to our advantage is what I feel like we should more or less say because right now the generation that we need to capture is the youth, right? And they use social media like crazy. And if we're going to be yeah. using it for anything, it should be for a positive gain and uh, educating in the proper way, ways that we weren't taught when we were younger. The the yeah. African American history that was completely devoid of the educational system that you know they called American history. Ugh minus African history they should have put on these books too. Yeah, so we got to individually, we have to start for the people who, you know, feel like they want to be a part of the solution and not the problem. We just have to start doing things individually and collectively to make it better. Like, for example, me, I, I do like a lot of study in the mind. So I plan in the future is one of my goals in the future is to is to um, come up with some type of way where I can help people 
heal themselves mentally in a spiritual and in a practical way simultaneously. So that's mm. how I plan on help. That's how that's that's how I plan on helping and contributing to. Well, to you already you already know this, <laughs> but my secret is that I already do that. As a tarot business, there's a lot of people that don't even know that I do tarot, that I'm even a, a tarot reader. And they're about to find out another secret here soon. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> the story is that, you know, through my practice of tarot reading, I have helped people spiritually, myself along, as well as practically. We get these some really tough times in their lives and like be a catalyst for like if when they needed something the most that I was there. I always tell people that I'm like the the therapist, you know, cheaper than a therapist, but more insightful than like your friends because it's kind of that in between where you don't have to like, you know, break the bank for it, but you don't have to like, you know, go back to this friend and be embarrassed by what you said to them about whatever you were going through at the time. Sometimes you want to embrace that and you had never said it. It's to say something to somebody that's kind of like that. In between, it's kind of nice. So I have people, I give people a platform or, or a safe, new space, safe space to be able to like look at the future and uh, get some practical things that they could take away to help them move in the process in the present. Yeah, because that's what people are looking for. Like it's it's okay. Spirituality is one thing, but people are looking for ways to apply the things to themselves because. You know, everybody everybody don't know about um, the deeper levels of spirituality right now. Some people just trying to figure out how to have a good day, and that's the start. That is spirituality. So some some people just looking for practical ways to deal with what they're going through, and that'll lead them on to their own spiritual journey anyway. Like myself, I didn't know I didn't know all the stuff I know now. You know, when I first started seeking, like when I first started saying, I feel like I need to do some work on myself. I didn't know what the hell to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know nothing. I just kept on looking at stuff, and it seemed like everything I was looking at was just what I needed. And now, I, well, I was um, looking on, on YouTube, you know, watching a lot of YouTube videos from a lot of different people speaking on spirituality and speaking on the history of America. And um, at first, I used to be called, you know, I used to call myself a Christian. So I was, you know, one of those people, like, I would die for Jesus. Uh, you know, don't say nothing about Jesus around me. Don't say nothing. Like, <laughs> I was you one of those. You like that? You were really like that? <laughs> so I went to church, but I wasn't like that. Mm-mm, absolutely. <laughs> I learned real I quick that a lot of people you. in church were hypocrites. But no, that's really funny. You were one of them? I was not one of them. I was just like, yeah, I go to church. I'm in a choir. Uh-huh. That's it. That's yeah. all. As soon as I got out of like out of church and like got out of like uh, high school, I ended up just being non-denominational. Like, yeah, I believe in like having a relationship with the higher power of God, but like I don't all this, you know, all this stuff that y'all coming up with that don't add up and don't make sense. I don't want to do part of that. Yeah, I was a soldier, and then That's I started, crazy. I started like thinking more. I was like, hold on, let me think about this stuff. And then I started, you know, reading the Bible and 
my grandma, she used to have me read the Bible a lot when I was a child. And I never used to understand why I had to read the Bible. Like, everybody else was doing whatever they wanted to do. They outside playing, running around. I was sitting in the kitchen reading the Bible. I never understood that. But now I get it because I started thinking, like, okay, let me go back and read this stuff. And then I started asking questions. And I was like, well, this don't seem right. So then that's when I came across the... You know, the Egyptians, the um, Atlantis, um, Lumeria, Sumerians, you know, all the all the ancient um, civilizations. And then that's when I got to that, I was like, well, they're telling the same story. It's just telling it in a different way. So maybe it is some truth to that, but that's not what I'm looking for. So I'm going to keep looking deeper because what I'm looking for is, is it predates this time that we're in. So I need to go or the facts because they got this religion, Christianity, basically all the religions you see today, they got that from the past. So I said, since they got that from the past, then where they get this from? So then that made me go back farther. And I just came to the conclusion that this stuff existed before we existed. So what's next? <laughs> so, you know, then that led me to... um after studying all the ancient civilizations, that's what led me into spirituality because I really felt connected to um, the ancient Egyptians. But I had to really, like, really get the Christianity program up out of me. It didn't really take much because I, al I always felt like something wasn't right. But I guess just growing up around it, you just feel like, you know, this my faith, this is what they believe in, this is what my family believe in, so this is what I'm going to do. And then I felt. So I guess I had to uh, detach myself from the, the, the religion and the family a little bit because I had to step back and say, well, they can believe that stuff if they want to, and, I, and I ain't, I'm not going to, um, you know, they're not wrong for it, but I just don't want to go down that path. I want to I know the truth. So that just led me to spirituality. And then when I got into spirituality, that's when I started doing, like, it's a whole process. That's when I started doing, like, uh, deity work, like working with your ancestors and your spirit guides and working with, um, you know, deity. So. And I have some fun facts about Egyptians. Um, and so basically I agree with you that, you know, the African history is, incredibly rich and complex and i know like you said again like it goes back hundreds of thousands of years and you know you know they our ancestry we spent across different cultures and civilizations because we migrated across the you know whole earth at some point or, or another and like you had mentioned you know the ancient egyptians which i absolutely am um obsessed with, actually, honestly, be just honest that I'm obsessed with the Egyptian culture. I'm actually wearing a shirt that says falafel top on the front. And then on the back, it just says the taste of Egypt. And then I have like little pyramids all over my house. Like I just went to the festival of Egypt. Like I'm planning to go to Africa to, to go to Egypt. That's a little secret um, that no one knows now that you know. Um, but they are one of the most well-known and important African civilizations of literally all time. And that's important that you get say that you went from Christianity to Egyptian studies. Like that's literally the same leaps and bounds that I went to as well. 
So I almost had like some weird calling towards this like ancient history. And I just started talking, thinking about it because we, I know we haven't talked about it much, but the spirituality part of this entire thing that you discuss um, with more, a little bit of more detail, we're talking about that third eye, the third, uh, the third eye, which is like the penal gland, which is what the Egyptians talk about a lot. Is it actually yeah. uh, placement in your brain that, you know, scientifically you can go and, you know, cut open somebody's, and you can see that this is a, a part of your brain that when activated, you can access knowledge and information from an unseen world. And the Egyptians realized that they they knew this. And so they were one of the first to develop writing and strong and a strong government. And they also had a great understanding of astronomy and mathematics. And they had a lasting impact on the development of sciences. And a lot of things that people don't realize is that a lot of African women <laughs> came up with the mathematical sciences, astronomy, and they grew up from it. Well, that's, you know, a yeah, lot. Yeah, and, num and, and numerology, too. Since you say that, and numerology, too, they came up with that, too. Oh, yeah. Of, and they're uh, heavily, the like you said, just astronomy, like, they're heavily influenced, just like in sciences, but astronomy as well, they, it dates back to before, you know, gypsies and things like that. Egyptians were already into astrology because they followed, they had a deep connection with the forces of the universe. Like they have a deep spiritual connection to the universe and believed in the powerful spiritual world. And this connection to the spiritual world was reflected in their art, their music and other forms of expressions that they had, like the pyramids, the Sphinx, like you name it. Like they had like huge expressive forms of ways to, you know, show that they were connected to the spiritual world. People don't want to acknowledge that it was, you know, the universe that they were like connected to. Cause ain't nobody else got on top of that pyramid to make it like, who came with this light and all this other, like, you know, but anyway, um, and even some of the words in the Bible even like is magic. Like God even said at the very beginning in Genesis, let there be light. For me, that sounds like a casting spell. Yeah, he spoke words. He's following your words. Correct, which is connected to the spiritual world. And and that's yeah. another whole like another hour of topic to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. But the, the ancient Egyptians also believed that the stars and the planets were gods and goddesses, which you were talking about deities and deities. And their movements were like a sign of divine intervention. Like, so their connection to the universe is also a practical application for navigating astronomy as well. And that dates back to the science. Like you, there's a connection there that people like to ignore. But the Egyptians were well aware of both and they used it to their advantage. And that's why they were able to even cross the desert. Let's get into it. Mm -hmm. But see, then I wanted to know how. I said, so, okay, how, how was they doing all this stuff? What was they doing? So that's when I started looking at it. It's funny how all this stuff leads up to uh, the next. Because like I was saying, I was, I was watching, I mean, I was studying the Egyptian uh, history of uh, the Pantheon. And that's when I ran across. I always knew though, because when I was a child, we used to have these books at school and used to have the E. We used to always talk about the Egyptians and the Greeks. So I always knew and I was always interested in mythology. But the point is, when I got to this next part, I ran across um, the Egyptian um, deity named Anubis, and he's like, he deals with death a lot. And I'm very fascinated with death. I want to know what happened when you die and stuff like that. 
So, and then another one was Thoth, and he deals with the mind and how to um, expand your mind. He's also, the, the planet Mercury is connected to Thoth. Hermes, some people call him Hermes, some people call him um, Tahuti. So, now I'm studying this stuff, right? Because I want to know. I'm like, so how, what was they doing? How was they getting this? What was they, how was they doing this stuff? Because I want to know so I can do it too. Wait, wait, wait. Anthony, so, uh, 8-11, what was the name of the first one you wanted to know information about? What was his name? Anubis. How do you spell that? A-N-U-B-I-S. I got information on it. So, so, so I have a I have a tarot deck that I never used, but I pulled it out today, and I had no idea we were going to talk about this today. But there's a whole like five to ten pages about Anubius in this book. We should get into yeah. it. We can get into it deep. Yeah, he the one. He he the one with the dog head. Some people some people say it's a cat. Some people say it's a fox. He the one with the dog head. And then Tahuti Thoth is the one with the um. The, the bird head. So he talks about the mind, right? Now, remind you, at this time, I'm not, I'm not doing what I do now because now I help people um, reprogram themselves mentally. But at this time, I'm not doing it. So I'm reading about those and I'm like, okay, so he he talking about the mind and he connected to Mercury and Mercury is connected to the mind and astrology. So boom. So now I'm looking at this. Now I'm fascinated with the mind. I'm like, okay, so what? how can I do to increase my mind. You know how they talk about we use only so much percentage of our brain. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so so how can can I do something to improve the percentage of my brain? So I'm now reading those and he's talking about um quieting your mind, stealing your mind, right? Meditation. So now I'm meditating and I'm like, okay, what's the purpose of meditating? You know, people say things like, well, you know, it's to be calm and to center yourself and to ground yourself, which it is. But there's deeper levels to it. So now I'm, I'm meditating. I'm like, okay, so why am I meditating? I feel good. I feel nice. But ain't nothing happening. To, but at the same time, I'm not deeply meditating. I'm only really meditating for about 10 minutes, expecting something miraculous to happen. <laughs> so, boom. I meditate for longer periods now, but that's just a practice. You have to take your time with this stuff. So anyway, my point is now I, I start seeing more stuff. The reason why Thoth is doing this is so he can astral travel. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's what I was going to do anyway. So boom. Now I know why I'm meditating. I'm like, this is why I'm meditating. Keep it at one spot for a long period of time. That's, Say that that's again. the point of meditation. To focus your mind on one thing for a long period of time. Whether it's an image, it could be an image, a sound of of words, mental words. Don't you don't you can speak with your mouth, but when you meditate, you don't really want to be moving your mouth around. You want to be still and relax. So mentally something, anything, one thing, it could be an apple, a word, whatever. Whatever you want to do, be creative. The point is to focus on one thing for a long period of time. Now, it's many forms of meditations. You could just let your mind wander as well. But if, if you really want to focus, learn how to focus your yourself, your energy, you need to learn how to focus on one thing for a long period of time. Because you're not going to be able to do it 
without practice. He says, every time you try to do it, your mind going to start thinking about everything else. <laughs> but here's the so, problem yeah. with that, 811. Here's a, here's a huge problem with what you're asking for. We live in a world where everybody's on their phones. There's, what do they call it? Swiping, looking for those clout. Their attention span mm-hmm. is probably like five to 15 seconds long. There's no way exactly. anyone's going to be able to take your information and apply it right away. Like, they have to become more self-aware. And, like, that's right, the right. Of this entire thing. Like, we're trying to give you information that will bring you to a, a, a different type of consciousness, which is what he's describing, where he is a different place of consciousness, a different place of understanding, a different place of perception, a different place of, like, seeing things that you cannot unsee. And I say that all the time. Like, once you get to this place where you have... You can't go back. Yeah, to have you where you've seen things like miracles and blessings and um, Christianity, and you've been through different levels of like churches and blah 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 blah. Like you can't go back to not knowing the truth, right? Which is so much, okay. it's so much that you don't, you will never know the truth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the funny that's part. Like, I think you had said like you have to separate yourself like from everything and focus on that one thing that will help you to bridge yourself toward the the truth of what's really going on around you because it'll start to like not add up like I'm at a point where I'm like I'm going back to Africa all that they said about Africa was a freaking lie and we've been brainwashed to think that we were supposed to stay here and live this American dream where we're technically almost almost literally prisoners of war again. I feel like I always say that the industry that I'm in right now is like basically modern day slavery. I'm like making money off the backs of other people working. I feel dirty every day. Yeah, because you, your conscious, your your subconscious, your soul is know that it's not necessary. You know, right? <laughs> it's not right. It's not, but we got it. We just in this world where this is. But I happened. wasn't aware. Like I wasn't conscious about it. Like I knew. Like I was like, okay. But now I'm like, I feel like more spiritually wrong. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm getting somebody like a permanent job, it's like it's not like work. It's to have somebody working hourly for me, like that just sounds like slavery. Yeah. It literally does. Like, yeah, that's how I make money off of the work that I put into. But, anyways, it's just, yeah, there's been a lot. There was a lot to unpack here, Anthony, today. And, I mean, we could go into it forever and ever, but. Yeah, we could just, we could just end it like right now because I just want to say, like, that's, that's, for anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you want to have, because in my, from my, in my opinion, I feel like if you want to make a change in your life, you got to work on your moods, how you feel, and you got to work on your thoughts, what you're thinking, and that's going to influence uh, you to act in a different type of uh, the way that you want to act to get what you want to have, whatever that is, because we all have different things that we desire in our life. So what I was saying is just meditate for just five minutes, five minutes a day. Just let your mind wander, and then when you when you get used to that, start focusing on one thing for just five minutes. 
Now, your mind going to keep bouncing around, but every time it bounces around, just go back to whatever you select. And then over time, you'll start noticing that you meditate longer and longer. And you'll start noticing that you feel better and you think better. And every time you find yourself getting back into those down feelings when you're feeling bad, sad, frustrated, mad, whatever, you're going to notice. You're going to say, I need to go meditate. It's going to be from a habit. And I promise you, you're going to notice a little small improvements in your life over time. So. Well, that is amazing advice. And I, you know, again, like I couldn't agree with you more. I meditate often. I do a lot of visualization, even if it's just for like five minutes to just center yourself and just make sure you're staying grounded and like realistic and thinking rationally and making sure you are taking care of your responsibilities and staying, you know, um, uh, level headed and, you know, not popping off at the mouth, like, you know, being able to center yourself, really being able to calm yourself down, really, like he's saying, focus um, on the positive as much as you possibly can, because, you know, that's how we're going to improve our mental state, our emotional state, our physical outwardly state, our external state, our spiritual state. And if you all, if we all think about it, we're all from Africa, we're all one collective. And in all of the advice that Anthony has given us today, I really appreciate you today because everything that you said is hopefully going to make a significant impact on the world that we uh, are trying to uh, reach out to and, and, and impact. So thank you for joining today. I hope everybody enjoyed what we had to talk about on this episode. And I hope you have a better understanding of, you know, the impacts of the Willie Lynch letter on, you know, black American and our culture. Um, well, we, we gotta do that again next time. We gotta do an episode called oh, Willie Lynch. We're, we're gonna do so many more episodes, Anthony. This is just what we kind of unpacked yeah. today. So again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you come back and listen to us again soon. All Take right, care. Thank you. Have You're a welcome. nice day. You too. Bye. All right.